Welcome, welcome to our NFC East off-season preview. Our off-season preview and this whole series is brought to you by IB Sports. If you enjoy this podcast or any other podcast that's on the IBN feed, please rate the show and give us five stars and a review. I am joined by my co-host, Joe. What's up, Joe? What's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, let's get right into it. And we're going to start with America's team. And that will be the only homer thing I say. Uh, so what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to kind of cover the offseason, uh, free agent, kind of some departures, then do the draft, then go position group by position group. So for the Cowboys, we have – let me play. Let's talk about their draft first. I'm going to pull up their – Let's see. Yeah, I'm going to pull up their transactions, but let's talk about the draft. At large, what did you think of the Cowboys draft? Um, I thought it was a solid draft, So, um, and even more so if you include Amari Cooper uh, as a draft pick. So if you're talking as about – Cowboys fans their... definitely want you to do that. They definitely want you to include him <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a first-rounder. Definitely. And and I probably would have given them somewhere in that B, B minus just for the draft itself without Amari Cooper. So I think they still did a great job um, either way. Um, I really like uh, some depth picks that they had later on. Um, Michael Jackson and Joe Jackson, both out of Miami, um, I thought were solid. Tony Pollard coming in to sort of be that backup spelling Ezekiel Elliott, even though they've already got that running back position shored up. Um, Connor McGovern, I, I, fantastic offensive lineman, giving you that, that perfect sort of situation where hopefully the Cowboys get help, healthy on the O-line this year. But if not, you've got somebody who is a solid backup who could probably be uh, a, a solid starter and contributor in this league um, in the future. And then, of course, their first pick, uh, Tristan Hill, uh, D tackle and exactly what the what the doctor ordered for them, um, shoring up that middle on the defensive line. It's uh, it's pretty much everything I thought they needed outside of probably some developmental wide receiver help. Uh, I really li- would have liked to have seen um, some uh, some weapons for Dak and probably a tight end um, or a wide receiver. Um, I think it was good that they didn't reach for anybody. Uh, they the guys weren't there that they were looking for in those spots, and they, they took their guys. So I, you know, hats off to them. I think they did a great job. Yeah, I thought it was a solid draft. I definitely would have tried to go for a safety. We talked about after draft, I think. I think we did a show or we did something. Yeah. We talked about it. Uh, Taylor Rapp I thought was a good option. Yeah. I think the kid actually from Delaware was there. But, you know, I don't really have any qualms with who we did pick. We got the uh, – Defense lineman Tristan Hill, the draft seems so far away now, but it was only like last month. But we got Tristan right. Hill, we need somebody we can develop. But, you know, I really have no qualms. If you guys haven't figured out, I'm a Dallas fan, but it's kind of, I'm pretty neutral or unbiased is the best way to describe it. Uh, so I'm looking at here on ESPN transactions. I feel like we're missing someone that we got that was a defensive end, but they don't have it here. Uh, we signed Demarcus Lawrence to a five year contract, big contract. Uh, we signed George, I'm not say his name, but I've heard him before, George Loca. Uh, we got Randall Cobb. 
you declined yeah. Terrence Williams. Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator. So what have you thought? And I swear I'm missing a defensive person that got cut to resign, but I don't see him. But anyway, what do you think of our offseason in terms oh. of free agent signings and departures? Or just so the signing too. You guys did pick up Robert Quinn. I think that's the guy you were talking about. That's who it is. Um, yeah, I don't know why it's not yeah. uh, on my list. Um. So, because that was a that was a trade. So probably I don't know if they had listed ah, that as part why, of your free why. agent transactions. Um. So, uh. So you lose Cole Beasley. Uh. You pick up Randall Cobb. Depending on who you ask, um. That is that's a, a either a wash or it's a plus for the Cowboys. Um. Randall Cobb obviously in the past couple of years has not really been himself the guy that you thought of when he was a stud with the Packers. Um, but I think he has every opportunity to be, and I think he's going into the perfect situation where uh, you have a healthier uh, Cowboys receiving core. So you've got Gallup, you've got Amari Cooper. Um, I like that. Um, again, I wish they would have done some more stuff at tight end, but I think they lost uh, Jeff Swaim, I guess, just a depth tight end. Mm, yeah. You get back Jason Witten. So that's a net plus for the Cowboys. And then you're trading for Robert Quinn. Um, I think that the Cowboys didn't do a whole lot in free agency and didn't make a lot of transactions, but they got better everywhere they made a transaction. So um, there's something to be said about that, you know, about not making too many moves. Um, And I think they did a good job. And and then the, the spot that the Cowboys are in they feel like they can be contenders, so you wouldn't have to make too many moves, and you don't want to overreach in for agency, which used to be our tendency as a Cowboy fan. It's gotten kind of right. boring, but it's a good kind of boring because we're not reaching the way we used to reach. So let's go right through the position. And, of course, we have quarterback. What yeah. did you think of Dak Prescott last year, and what do you think of his impending contract negotiation? So I think – I mean, I, I'm not a huge Dak fan. Um, I, I don't think that he's worth that kind of money. Um, I personally see Dak as uh, a sort of young, maybe slightly more talented, but a little bit more risk-taker version of Alex Smith. Um, I think that he's got legs, like Alex Smith has legs. He is not going to necessarily lose you the game. He's rarely going to win you the game. Um, I think back to a stretch in his rookie year where he had like three games in a row where he threw for under 170 yards and they got two wins and a loss. Zeke is the, is the engine that makes that thing go. Um, and I think that that's important. I think that Dak is the most replaceable piece of that offense in, in my opinion, outside of maybe some depth alignment. Um, I really truly believe that, the Cowboys can get better at the quarterback position, but it's a risk. And so paying him um, is, is paying him the 30 million or close to 30 million is completely out of the question for me. I wouldn't do it. Um, and as a Redskins fan, I really hope the Cowboys do it. <laughs> so, so what, what's the alternative? So I've looked, you know, I've looked it up and basically the going rate is about 28 million on uh Sure. Sports rack or sports trick or whatever, uh, some of the free, some of the salary cap places. So, and and I'm actually not, I'm, I don't know how I feel, but I've generally been against signing that. But what's the alternative in your mind? 
Um, the alternative is you have to identify talent somewhere and you have to go get it. So you either have to do something like um, make a trade for uh, a quarterback who would be like a Jimmy Garoppolo if there's somebody out there floating around this year um, that's going to be some trade bait. You have to identify somebody you can spend a, a draft pick on and are you comfortable enough with that. And I think that based on the level of talent that the Cowboys currently have, if they don't make major, if they don't have major losses this year, um, as far as injuries, as far as uh, free agent losses, I think they need to make that move because, in my opinion, they're the most solid team and they're the most consistent roster in the NFC East. So right now is the time when the Eagles are vulnerable, when the Giants are have no direction, and the Redskins are probably a 500 team at best. It's time for you to take advantage and take those risks. And I think that now they can, they've got the assets. They got a first round pick next year. So um, I think it's time. All right. So we go down to our receiver four. You got Amari, of course, who's a stud, who still needs to be resigned. Yeah. You got Alan Hearns, you got Michael Gallup, yeah. you got really skinny, you got Calvin Cobb, Reggie Jackson's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And you got Tavion Austin, who we actually resigned. Ah, What's your feel? And I feel like I'll give my feeling first. I feel like it's a pretty mediocre receiving core. You got Amari, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of nervous if he'll do it again. Seems to be more prepared this off season, and Dak was really reliant on him. So I think this is an average receiving core with one stud. Uh, I completely agree. Um, as such, I still think it's probably the second best receiving core in the NFC. Um, so you do have a stud, which is great. Um, and, and you do have somebody who can be a game breaker for you. And I think that, um, I think that Gallup is still, uh, a, is exactly where he needs to be. He's a great number two and can be a great number two. I think he develops more this year. Um, Randall Cobb, uh, is, is somebody that can fill in that depth position that you're really going to want. He can do all of the things He can line up on the outside. He can play the slot. So he can do a little bit of everything. And then you have some uh, gadget guys like um, Tavon Austin. And I was a, a little bit surprised that the, uh, the Cowboys went ahead and re-signed him. But, you know, if, if you have something in the offense that says we need this guy, then, you know, get your guy. Then we have, of course, we have Zeke. And uh, we, we just draft, we had Darius Jackson, and then we drafted Weber, I think, was the uh, rookie that we drafted. So yeah. my thing with the Cowboys is that we're all the offense, and in some ways the team is centered around Zeke. So we do the strong running game like we yes. did with Murray a few years ago, like we've been doing with Zeke. You, do, you control the clock. You wear Zeke down, basically, but you, you just work and work and work, and he's your mule and then you play really good defense and hope you win that way. How sustainable do you feel like that strategy is in the modern NFL? So I think the strategy is sustainable in the modern NFL, assuming that you have a healthy offensive line and a healthy Zeke, Um, because it is, you're controlling the clock. So um, in this sort of up-tempo offensive style that you have right now, all it sort of takes, is to force those guys off the field. If they can't make quick hits, if you're getting stops and, and you've got that, that really fast offense, you're not giving their defense time to rest. 
So I think that's a double-edged sword. Like I appreciate the, the new modern offenses are fun. They're flashy. They're, they're great to watch. They make for great TV, but if you can stop them, if you can get, you know, get them off the field somehow, or you can get limit them to just a field goal, then this sort of pounding style of, of offense is great. It helps your defense. It covers some, um, some holes you might have in a defense. And because your, it's just, your defense is always fresh, your rotations work a little better. And then you're also going up against, you're keeping their defense on the field, um, controlling the clock, which has always been in something. I mean, we know in most sports, the guy who owns the possession normally is the one who wins. Um, it doesn't happen all that way, but most of the time, or more often than not, they're going to be the winner. So as long as Zeke is healthy and as long as your O-line is healthy, I think that's the way you have to go, um, especially because the Cowboys don't have that stud-wide receiving core. They don't have, in my mind, a great offensive coordinator, a really creative offensive coordinator, and you don't have a franchise quarterback in the sense that you don't have a, a game-breaker, top-tier, elite quarterback. Where do you put Zeke? I have to say all time. Where do you put Zeke right now? Is uh, is a, a top running back? Where would you rank him? Or what? You know, what range would you rank him in? Easily top three, probably the top running back in the NFL. Um, with Gurley's injuries and, and things like that, I he's he's my top. Um, if I'm going out next year and I'm and I need to draft somebody in my fantasy league. Uh, he's he's going to be my guy. Um, I, you can't necessarily have confidence in um, in Le'Veon Bell having been out for a year. You can't have confidence in Gurley. Um, to me, he's he's the guy. Uh, in, until somebody proves otherwise to me, um, Zeke is is the man. We're going to skip the tight ends. We got Witten Black, Black, Witten Black, not quite. We got Witten back. We got uh, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz coming back. But it's like, eh, Rico Gathers has never really uh, shown. He's shown flash, but never really shown he could be consistent. So we're going to move to our line. Last year, Looney was okay. He had a 52 rating at center for the Cowboys. We're hoping to get Travis Frederick back. We got yeah. Martin. We got Collins. Uh, and we got Tyre. And we got Tyron Smith, and we got Connor Williams. What our line isn't as dominant as it once was, but what's your overall take on it? Like, if you want to give our line a grade, what would you give it? Um, so right now, a B. Um, it's definitely above average. It's it's a it's a top ten line. Um, it is not necessarily you know that that hyper elite number one, like clear number one that it was a couple years ago but it still has a ton of potential. Um, you've got guys like Connor Williams, like uh, Connor McGovern, that are going to be either depth guys that can start. I, I still think that, that Collins um, is, a fantastic, uh, is a fantastic right tackle, potentially. Um, Zach Martin and, and Travis Frederick, when, they are, uh, when they're healthy, are probably some of the best at their position in the league. Um, I think that this is a, that it's, you know, it's a great line. Um, there's not much more you can say about it. I think that Kyron Smith, obviously not necessarily himself last year, but um, I think that, you know, he's still a young guy. I think he's like 28, something like that right now. Um, I think he can absolutely get back to, to being that guy. He is, um, I'm, pretty sh- I'm pretty sure he's the oldest guy on the line. So um, yeah, there's no same, reason same. why. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and so you have your guys. Uh, yeah, he got a uh, 80 pro football focus score uh, last year, and he's been in the 90s yeah. or 87 before. So, yeah, it was a little drop, but right. obviously solid. But I was telling Cowboy and Redskins fans when we were doing that poll on the page about the top five players in his team that Tyron Smith and Trent Williams aren't the dominant all-pro guys. They used to be. They're still good, but they aren't the right. dominant guys that they were at their peak. Right. Um, either one of those guys, I mean, I, I would have told you a couple years ago that the NFC East was the home of the three probably best left tackles in football. Um, and with the exception, maybe, uh, you know, if you're talking about like uh, Thomas at the end of his career in Cleveland, um, you know, you can throw him in there. But these guys are, uh, are, are really, really are that good. And you have the youngest one of those three um, in Tyron Smith. Uh, in Dallas. So I think that it, that it still has the potential to be um, a top five or even top three line this year. It really just depends on health and, and how those guys come back. All right, switching over to defense. Our defense is probably the core, the base of the team. We signed back to Marcus Ware. Let me get to the defensive line. We signed back to Marcus Ware. We got Robert Quinn. We got Taco Charlton. I don't know when Randy Gregory comes back. I like our edge rushers. It all depends on how Robert Quinn does. He has, yeah. I'm going to look at his pro football course. He had a 69.9 last year, which is in their green, which means, like, pretty good score. And But he, he had a couple years in uh, the Rams, at, in, well, not L.A. at the time, but St. Louis at the time, where he was pretty strong. He kind of slacked off. He was solid last year, but I think our line, as far as his dominance, will go where Robert Quinn takes us. Because we know what Lawrence is going to get. Right. Um, I agree. Um, I think that uh, – that Lawrence is, is the the guy that you're looking for on that line. Um, Robert Quinn is sort of the X factor. Um, I have not been a fan of uh, of Taco Charlton. That's, you know, he hasn't been um, somebody who I really wasn't a fan of him at Michigan. Um, so I think it really, that's a little up in the air for me. I'd like to see um, what this line looks like um, with, uh, you know, where Tristan Hill falls in, if he's more like a, of a depth rotational guy, or if he's going to end up being a spot starter by the end of the season, if he comes along. Yeah. And I, he's kind of the kind of kid we can mold, but obviously he had problems at UCF sure. when he had the coaching change and didn't play so much, but of course he signed that responsibility contract with Rob Marinelli. So right. he should be good to go. <laughs> but I think, I think he is make he makes the break our line. Malik Collins, uh, Tyrone yeah. Crawford, like those are the guys that are going to have to step up in the interior. And of course, you got—I don't know about Gregory, but the guys you're talking about, like yeah. like Taco. Even if Quinn is good, he's not going to be the dominant twenty sack guy. But those guys sure. are the guys that have to step up if the Cowboys are going to see success, and they're just with their pass rush without having to blitz, which is pretty pretty key, especially in Marinelli's system where. He frequently rushes four. He doesn't like to blitz yeah. unless it's kind of a last resort and they really can't get to him, but that's not what he's looking for. Right. And and that's what I, I'm, I'm, I want to see if they can get somebody else that's even going to be a double-digit sack guy. 
Um, and I don't really see anybody who strikes me uh, on the Cowboys as having more than like an eight sack season um, this year. I'd like to see hopefully that kind of uh, that kind of production from somebody. I'd like to see Robert Quinn return to that sort of form, but I'm not sure uh, if he can if he can be that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, I don't think it's going to be really the strength of our team, but I think it can be solid. And, of course, Lawrence is going to do what Lawrence does. Uh, our linebackers does. We got, we got Smith and Van Der Esch, yeah. young team. You got Lee coming back who actually might be getting in the way. I hope he just looks at himself as an advisor to these young studs. Yeah. But I think if you were looking at, a, at the core of this team and the strength of this team, I think it's the linebackers. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think if Sean Lee can sort of, like you said, be that, fill into that mentor role, be that kind of guy who um, is just going to accept the fact that he is kind of the elder statesman as far as this linebacking core is concerned, then I think that this is definitely the strength of the defense. Um, no doubt. Uh, Jalen Smith, uh, Vander Esch, I, I think that that these guys are fantastic um, and, and they're probably the best, uh, probably the best linebackers um, in the NFC East. And we go to our secondary, which our secondary is kind of, it's hard to gauge our secondary because you got a lot of overachievers. You got Byron Jones, yep. who's obviously a stud, but yes. And our safeties are weak. I don't understand why Jeff Heap continues to play, continues to be in the league, not to be racist, but, you know, I don't really want a lot of small teams in my secondary unless they can run downhill and smash someone. So, and that's not his game. I've seen him burnt way too much. 56 pro football rating. David Woods has a 68. Shibe uh, Ozeway, I never can say his name, from Michigan, the kid, played much better than we thought he would. And then we have Anthony Brown as yeah. well who, you know, kind of plays over his head. And, of course, we added Michael Jackson. So it's, a, it's kind of another of those things that's kind of like it'll swing on a couple players, the volatility of a couple players. Yes. Um, I, I think the secondary is, is always a challenge, um, which is just another reason why uh, it's going to be key for the Cowboys to develop some sort of pass rush. Um, I think they're going to be able to stop the run really well this year. Um, but having some sort of pass rush and generating pressure is going to be really key for them because I do think they have some holes in the secondary. Like you said, there are some, there is a stud in Byron Jones, but there are some guys who have overachieved up to this point. And it's kind of one of those, you know, uh, if maybe if you can generate more pressure than you can have a secondary that continues to overperform. And I think that's exactly what the Cowboys are going to need uh, to be successful this year but they don't have anybody in the division that strikes me uh, that really I think is going to be able to throw on them anyway. Um, these teams are going to probably be reliant on a run game outside of probably the Eagles. Yeah, uh, and then you need to compare it to the NFL and what you're going against. I think, you know, yeah. I think we're on to something. You've got a solid defensive unit. Yeah. We're not going to do the special team. So if you were going to guess – what the Cowboys record and how their season would go, what would you say? Um, I am probably going to say uh, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and they are one of the top two teams 
in the division, they either get a wild card spot or they win the division and go to the playoffs. Yeah, I think we can definitely win the division, 10 of 6. 9 of 7 would be disappointing, but I feel like 11 and 5 is too much. And the one thing that upsets me, just as a trend, not looking at X's and O's and looking on the field, is that we seem to have a good year and a bad year, a good year and yeah. a bad year. So this would be the bad year. So, yeah. Uh, you want to go to your team? Let's do it. All right, we're going to go to the Washington Redskins. Let's first look at their draft. Love this draft. What did you think of their draft overall? So I, I loved the draft. Um, I, I do wish we had uh, gotten a, a safety, um, and I wish that we had looked a little bit more at some tight end depth. Uh, but Overall, I really liked the draft. Um, I thought, you know, that we got great value for the pick. I loved Dwayne Haskins at 15. I thought he was a top 10 player. I had him mocked essentially in the, in the top 10 um, all year. Um, I loved uh, the Montez Sweat pick. Again, I had him as a top 15 player pretty much um, all year. A couple exceptions where I think he slipped out, but he was always top 20. Um, and then Kelvin Harmon a guy in the sixth round that I loved again because I had him going in my top three rounds every single time. Obviously he slipped for some kind of reason. There's no, um, you know, you don't generally get studs in in the sixth round, but I think he's going to be great for us because we have such issues um, in our wide receiving core. So um, I I thought overall I'm giving the draft uh, an A minus. I feel like an A, A plus is like, it's scary for me to say as a Redskins fan. I, I, I don't really want to believe in, in my front office, but I think they did a good job. I like the draft. I mean, a lot of people lauded it, and it's good. I think uh, the kid from the receiver from Ohio State that you guys get got, I think that's very under, he's very underrated. I think Kelvin Harmon yeah. shouldn't have been in the sixth round. I really like that. I even like Jimmy Moreland from James Madison. Like, I like a lot of yeah. these kids. Obviously, I like Sweat if he can stay on the field. Uh, yes. You got Haskins, who I feel good about, outside of the fact that he went to y'all. And that's not even being like mean. I just mean the ability to develop quarterbacks, the history you guys have with young quarterbacks is not I agree. good. No, not so at all. So I like him a lot. So that's the scary part, to see a player you like. you know. And, and I liked RG3 coming out of college, and he had success. But, you know, he became kind of unlikable. Um, as he sure. went on, but but also some of that was probably mishandled too on you guys' part. Yeah, not to open up that can of, but just the the way you guys <laughs> develop players is kind of. What do you think of that? The way you guys develop players uh, and the injuries and all of that. So the injuries are a huge problem and really concerning to me. Um, I think that it's it's clear that it's time for. Um, some kind of change. Uh, I've been calling for changes to uh, to our field for a long time, um, and I don't know if that's what's happening in, in the preseason, but we're seeing knee injuries throughout the year happening on our field, and I have to believe that that has something to do with the quality um, of the field. Uh, it's time to switch to turf. It's modern football. Like, you know, let's let's just call it what it is. We have injuries and more injuries in the preseason. Um, and during the season than anybody else for the past five years. It's not close. 
we have to, to take a look at this. Um, I don't think that we develop certain types of players well. Um, I, it's kind of hard for me to say. I think that a lot of times it's the organization because um, it's, we do see players go elsewhere and be successful. Um, I think that I have not been a fan and would be a little more scared of quarterback development if it wasn't Jay Gruden and Kevin O'Connell. I'm starting to have a little bit of faith in their quarterback development, just seeing who Kirk Cousins was his first year in the league, who he was his second year in the league, or his first year, uh, first years under Jay Gruden, and then seeing who he became uh, his last sort of three years um, with us. He developed into a guy who is a, you know, a middle tier uh, to, you know, later tier starter. Um, but at least for us, it was somebody who, yeah, right. Exactly. Done a good job of developing your talent. Exactly. He had a couple years where he's, you know, or three years in a row where he goes over 4,000 yards. He's got, um, you know, 30 or so total touchdowns each year. It's, it, he had, he definitely had something for a fourth round pick, and I do appreciate that kind of development. Um, I, I'm a little bit concerned with the fact that there wasn't that there wasn't more development for from RG three, but I don't know if that was him or that was the system. You know what was going on there, but I think that now is sort of the opportunity. Okay, now we get to see Jay what you're talking about. You get a you get a blank slate. This is a guy who's coming in the league for the first time. Let's see what you can do, um, and, and we're about to find out. So um, I think that Dwayne Haskins is – he was my favorite quarterback um, because I'm not really a huge fan of the smaller runaround quarterbacks. I haven't – I know there's some old-school football watcher in me, so um, I haven't gotten on to that uh, – gotten on board with that yet. Um, if you're not Patrick Mahomes, then I really don't like it. So um, he's – Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are about as run around as I can get get behind. Um, I really want guys to stand in the pocket and sling it. So um, Dwayne Haskins can definitely do that. Guys made a, free, a few transactions too in the uh, off season. You signed Landon yeah. Collins. You released. Uh, yeah, tell me what you think of the Landon Collins signing because that's a big signing. So yeah, it was big. Um, it. I think that it was important to get exactly the type of player in here that Landon Collins is. It, we needed a vocal leader on defense after losing DJ Swearinger. Um, I think that it is, is key to bring in somebody like Landon Collins. Uh, we definitely needed a safety after losing HaHa Clinton Dix and DJ Swearinger. So I think this was really important. Do I think we overpaid? Yes. But it's also one of those things what do you have to do to get this guy in the building? And if that's what you had to do, then I'm willing to accept it. Um, but that's it. I, I, I give this, this a B minus or a C plus grade on that signing only because of the amount of money that that costs. Uh, it, it's a ton of money. It's so much in guarantees to bring in a safety and a guy who plays in the box. Um, can he return to his, form from a couple years ago where he's looking like an all pro if so then you know it's, it's probably worth it but uh right now i think it was just a little bit too much but we have zero safety depth behind him um 
Troy Apke is another one of those guys, not to also be a little racist, but I'm not a fan of uh, saltines in the secondary. And the kid can run, that's <laughs> for sure. But can he do much else? I have no idea. I, I, I just haven't seen it. I didn't see it at Penn State, uh, and I didn't see it last year at all. Monte Nicholson, he's got some trouble with the law. Charges have been dropped, but he's also had some health issues the two years he's been with us. I just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. And clearly they didn't have a ton of faith in him because they brought in HaHa Clinton Dix. So the shades are Everett. He's not a starter. He's definitely a depth guy. Uh, I, I just don't like the safety situation. Um, but Landon Collins was essential. So if that's what it costs, oh well. I didn't know you guys signed Rob Ryan as inside linebackers coach. I, I don't know how that how uh, that got passed. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It'll be we'll good. see. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, yeah. all right. You gonna miss are you guys gonna miss Zach Brown any, you think? Uh yes, definitely. Um I, I think that you know, people will say he fell out of the rotation last year. That's absolutely accurate. He did fall out of the rotation because our defensive coordinator isn't great and wasn't using him properly. The guy's a pro bowler. Um, he's a pro bowler uh, and almost led the league in tackles if he hadn't gotten injured his first year with us, and uh, and we messed up. So um, I, I think that Sean Dion ha- Hamilton is going to be great. I think it's another Alabama kid. He's going to come along. He is definitely probably going to end up starting. But Zach Brown leaving and going over to the Eagles I think hurts us because I am betting that this year he has – if he's not injured, another 100-plus tackles with the Eagles. Who should start day one at quarterback for y'all? Um, who do I want it to be or who is it going to be? Mm, what you would do? Um, I would start Case Keenum and call this year sort of, uh, sort of a wash. Um, I know that Jay Gruden can't afford to – or he can't afford to necessarily start Dwayne Haskins. Um, he's got to start somebody who he thinks can win uh, or who he thinks, yeah, can win. And so I think that Case Keenum probably gives you the best chance to win on day one, unless Dwayne Haskins can really pick up this offense very, very quickly. Um, the other thing that I really don't want is for this kid to get out there and get a little gun shy. He didn't face a ton of pressure in college. He only has that one year, and he doesn't have a great receiving core. So it's not like there's going to be these guys who have, you know, a ton of separation. He's just going to be able to throw to these wide-open windows. It's just not going to happen. I'd like to see him get a year on the bench. That won't happen. He could be the week one starter. I am betting – I would bet money that he's the starter by week six because week five is our bye week. Um, I think we're going to get totally trashed uh, the first four weeks of the year, Um, and then – will come around and be starting him by week six. Yeah, I think you'll have no choice because it won't be a very fast start, even though I feel like the last couple of years, definitely last year, but I feel like the last couple of years of start haven't been awful. Definitely not last year. I can't think you started like, what, uh, six and two or something like that? Yeah. Um, I'm struck this with year is going to be, this year's going to be rough. Go ahead, go ahead. It's the Patriots, it's the Patriots, the Bears, and the whole division. So, so Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, the first five weeks, Bears, wow. and Patriots. Um, so that is yeah. just yeah. A, a murderer's row of games, and uh, and I don't think we're going to – I think if we if we ended up two and three, we should be thankful um, over that. 
that five-game stretch. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a tough little <laughs> stretch for a team with so many pieces up in the air. And I feel really bad about the Alex Smith situation, but that definitely yeah. kind of screwed you guys over. I knew he was going to be solid, even with the lack of receivers. What's going on with your receiving core? Granted, you drafted two who I think are good, but it, mm-hmm. it's definitely one of the weak spots on your team. And you've invested – you, you went and got Richardson, you drafted Dotson, you drafted these two guys. Like, you've tried to put energy into it. Why hasn't it really worked out for your receiving core? Um, I think it hasn't worked out because uh, when you invest a first-round pick in anything and it and that doesn't pan out, I think that that sets you back. Um, you know, it's that's a glaring moment uh, when it's a quarterback. Um, I think less so when it's you know, a defensive lineman or something like, um, like San Francisco um, has done and has not necessarily hit on their linemen. It's not as, it's not as obvious when, when that guy's still in the rotation or he's still playing, but, um, but for guys like wide receivers, these skill position guys, it's a little more obvious. So when you miss on somebody, then, you know, it, it's out there in the open. He's, he's over there. He's not producing. Um, and uh, I don't, I mean, Josh Doxson has just been not producing since day one, um, and that's kind of rough. Paul Richardson, I thought we gave too much money when we signed him. Um, he hasn't been healthy, he, but he wasn't really healthy in Seattle. So we should have seen that coming, and we should have adjusted uh, the price point accordingly. As a, as a fan so, inside you know, the building, but you definitely you follow everything really hard, so I'm sure you follow the Redskins the most. What, what's the deal yeah. with Doxson? Why hasn't he been – obviously he has potential, but what's his deal? Well, that's a really good question. So he had the Achilles injury um, pretty much straight out the gate uh, when he – and it wasn't a tear, but it was an injury um, his first year. So he only played in those two games with us, and it looked good. But his whole thing was speed. So it was that, that burst off the line and then his jump ball ability, um, which people had really equated his speed and jump ball ability and his, and his ability to box out receivers, like be physical – um, to A.J. Green in the draft, which is laughable right now because he just hasn't done that. He hasn't gotten any extra size or strength and really been able to impose his will physically, and his jump ball, 50-50 ball, um, hasn't really been there. Uh, he hasn't gotten enough separation for anybody to trust him with it. And I think another issue is that Kirk Cousins was never the guy who wanted to throw a 50-50 ball. So that was part of it, and I think that that really lagged his development um, Kirk Cousins didn't want to throw him the only type of ball he was trying to go get. He wasn't getting enough separation off the line. He wasn't beating guys with routes. Um, he wasn't doing those little intricate things. So he needed to be a better jump ball guy, and Kirk didn't want to throw it. And then he really never got that rapport with Alex Smith either. So I think he has one last chance, and I hate that I'm saying this again, but one last chance here to build some rapport with either Case Keenum if he's going to take some risks or with Dwayne Haskins, if Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starter. Like, now it's a shot. This is it. Uh, I, I don't know that – I don't know that he's even produced enough to catch on as a fifth receiver any other place in the league. I mean, I, I think that this is the weakest part of our roster right here. You guys uh, – you know, this time I've actually broke you guys down, like, position by position – and really giving it a look. You got about 20 running backs. <laughs> but, like, when I see the list, 
I like these guys. Like, I feel like they should yeah. all get carries. You got AP, you got Chris Thompson, though he's always hurt if he can come back any kind of healthy. He's yeah. a very suitable, more than serviceable. I think he has potential. Well, he's getting hurt. But I thought he's like he's good uh, coming out of the backfield. You got Darius. Yeah. Uh, I can't say anybody's name today. Good God. You got some Andre P. Ryan. You got Bryce Love. Like, so who's going to be the one that shines by the end of the season in this backfield? So uh, by the end of this season, Darius Geis is going to separate himself, um, and people are going to remember what he got drafted for. Um, In the draft last year, uh, I didn't think that we were going to get a chance at him at all. I swore up and down he was a first-round pick. When I watched his tape, I was obsessed with him. I said, as a pure runner, not just like a guy with a ball in his hands, but as a pure runner, I'm handing him off the ball. I liked him better than Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley can do a lot more. Saquon Barkley in pass pro um, had, some, had some moments in college where he, he, he could do it. You know, getting him the ball in the open field, you know, and, and running some kind of route. Saquon Barkley is far and away the better route runner, but, of course, they did that at Penn State. LSU is, doesn't have their, their running backs run routes like that. Um, but if you're just going north-south, I loved Darius Geis. He had a little bit of everything. He has that in-the-box quickness, a little shake and bake, and he has a absolutely devastating mean streak like Marshawn Lynch. And that was his pro comp that most people gave him was was baby Marshawn, um, which is funny because he's actually about eight pounds bigger than Marshawn Lynch was. Um, and this kid is just a freak. I mean, he's he's strong. The ACL injury obviously is scary. Hopefully he can come back and recover from it fully, but there's no reason to rush him back. Um, you got AP, who was a thousand-yard rusher behind a completely decimated line last year, um, and I think AP starts the year again as the starter. And I think again by about week five or six, uh, Darius guys takes it over and is the guy. Um, I think his hands are better than people saw because he never. You know, you didn't get a chance to look at that at LSU. Um, and I think that he becomes a potentially every down back spelled by Chris Thompson to do, like you said, those, those electric things that Chris Thompson does. I think that Bryce Love um, ends up on the IR for us and comes out next year and is going to be a really exciting guy. I'd love to see that, um, the Darius guys, Bryce Love connection and hope that they can be like an Ingram Kamara situation. Your tight ends, actually, if, you know, he actually played a lot, uh, would be the strength of the team. Uh, yeah. Let me see how many snaps he uh, He actually played more snaps than uh, Ronnie Davis. But generally, you know, Jordan Reed has a reputation for being hurt. But yeah. you got Reed, you got Davis, you even got Jeremy Sprinkle, who I would just always think because he stole from the belt bowl. He stole when he went on the shopping spree. He took too much. But <laughs> I generally like the tight ends. And Vernon still has some juice. Vernon still got the speed, um, but I think that he is a threat to have his contract either restructured or get cut because of the money that he is owed this year. He's got almost a $6 million cap hit, and for what he's producing, that is simply yeah. not acceptable. He doesn't block. It's too much. He's not really producing. Um, and so not that long, I no. would – No. So I would suspect – uh, that because of his, his leadership, 
um, his presence in the community dating back to his days in Maryland, um, the, the things that he does and the fact that he can start in place of Reed when Reed is inevitably injured this year, um, I think that they end up restructuring his contract. Uh, and so uh, I think that this on paper should be a strength of the team, but it never really seems to turn out that way. Um, I would like to see Reed and Davis develop a rapport with Case Keenum, who loves to use tight ends, and I hope that, you know, they become that safety blanket for Dwayne Haskins, who, you know, is learning this quarterback position, and I hope that they can excel. I would love to see, um, you know, I mean, even an 800-yard, six-touchdown season from Jordan Reed would be, you know, I'm not asking him to, to be an all-pro, but, but getting back to that point where he could potentially be a pro bowler again, um, he should be at that level every year. That should be something that we expect, uh, and he just hasn't he hasn't been that way even when he has been on the field. So um, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily believe in this group. Uh, I think that next year we end up drafting a tight end in the first three rounds. All right. So your line, I, I think your line is something that on paper could be and could have been last season a strength, but yes and you follow it closely than I, closer than I do, and maybe not for people that are, like, out for the season, but, my God, I feel like somehow your line is banged up and questionable every damn week, like more than a normal offensive line. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were down to a, to a fourth-string left guard and a third-string right guard by the end of the season. Um, we lost at one point uh, – you know, Trent Williams goes down, and then Ty Inseki goes down, so his backup goes down. I mean, we were just completely lost. Um, it, it, it was, I can't believe that anybody ran for 1,000 yards behind that line, and it really does speak to how much juice Adrian Peterson has left in the tank and how willing Jay Gruden was, despite people saying, oh, he wants to throw all the time, how willing he was to call those plays um, because nobody should have run for 1,000 yards behind that line. I mean, it was just completely trashed. And so this year, um, everybody seems to be coming back strong. Um, we got rid of uh, Sean Laval, who is my least favorite lineman we've had in a really long time. Um, yeah, we bring in Eric Flowers. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was garbage. I didn't, I, I didn't like him when we signed him. I thought it was too much when we signed him the first time around. Um, but I think we drafted well. I like Wes Martin a lot. Um, I like Ross Pierschbacher a lot. Everybody loves the Bama boys. Um, I think he ends mm-hmm. up being a depth guy, and I think Martin will end up starting uh, not this year but next year um, unless Eric Flowers just absolutely cannot transition inside. I think that's the intention is for him to be the left guard. Yeah, you're kicking um, after that. Y'all are going to kick in Flowers to guard? Uh, yes. I, I, so we drafted Jerron Christian to sort of be that, uh, that tackle uh, position and to be the swing tackle for us, depth tackle. So Trent Williams and uh, Morgan Moses are going to be starting at the tackles, and Jerron Christian will be backing them up. I don't think we keep two swing tackles on the roster. We never have. That's not something that Jay does. So I would imagine that um, Eric Flowers is going to kick inside and be that left guard and compete for the starting snaps immediately. Uh, I I don't think there's anyone else. Um, We re-signed Tony Bergstrom or, or to be that depth guard 
uh, center position. Trace Roulier is coming back. He's going to be our starting center again. Brandon Scherf's coming back, thank God. Um, so we get a Pro Bowl right guard. Um, well, before, uh, a couple of years ago, you had uh, an opportunity to draft Leonard Williams and you got Brandon Scherf. I didn't even know you back mm-hmm. then, but how did you feel on that decision? Um, so I... At the time, I really thought we needed a defensive line. Um, but it was one of those things where if this is a sure, I, I was okay with it only because I felt like Brandon Scherf was the only sure thing in that draft. Um, and he has been, you know, a, a pro bowler at this point in his first contract. So you did get it. It's a guy who consistently performs. Um, when Trent Williams isn't in his sort of, like you said, he's kind of falling off now. He's getting a little bit older. So Brandon Scherf, in my mind, is the best that we have on the line and is probably one of the best right guards in the league. Uh, and for that reason, I'm okay too. with it. You know, yes, a tone absolutely. you set the standard for physicality on your line. So it's kind of, it's good to have guys that are like right in the mall people and just be an example yeah. and just be consistent every down, every play. Like, there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. And so, for me, if he's a guy who can play every snap. He's a guy, like you said, he's got that mean streak. Um, he is a leader. Um, he is active in the community. He's absolutely everything you want. And so, until he got hurt, I mean, he's one of my favorite guys on that line. And, uh, and I, I think it's exactly what we needed because, like you said, we needed somebody who wasn't just Trent Williams. We're going to switch. To your defense. So, All right. you got your secondary here, and <laughs> yeah. I'll let you. I'll let you take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you know how I feel about our safeties. I'm not even going to go into the safeties anymore. Um, I, cornerback is going to be really interesting this year uh, because I think that I, I'm interested to see what Adonis Alexander does. I thought that he was um, two years ago was probably one of the best uh, corners on that Virginia Tech team and obviously is academically ineligible. He gets picked up by us in the supplemental draft, so we didn't give up much draft capital for him um, and just kind of essentially redshirted him last year, had to keep him on the roster because he's, he is that good. But he is a, a larger, longer corner. He's got some speed. But I think he could also transition to safety. And I think if he was going to make that transition, now is the time to do it, um, to see if he could play that free safety spot. It's only his second year in the NFL. Um, he is on that, you know, longer, rangier type guy. So this would be the time. Um, and I think that's sort of the X factor for this secondary is Adonis Alexander. He gets forgotten a lot by fans, um, but he could make some noise either at corner or at safety. Um, Jimmy Moreland, like you said, I'm a big fan of his, um, a little bit on the smaller side, but an absolute ball hawk. Uh, I think that he's going to be, I think he's going to step into that nickel slot, um, pretty, pretty shortly. I I think it's going to take him a little bit to develop. Um, he is coming from a smaller school. So getting the speed of the NFL game, um, is is adjusting to that speed is going to be a little tough, but I think by the end of the year, he ends up being that guy. Um, I'd like to see them rely on Fabian Moreau a little more. I want to see what he can do on the outside because coming out of UCLA, people did have some first-round, high-second-round grades on him. 
obviously Quentin Dunbar and Josh Norman. Josh Norman's another guy, depending on the development of some of these guys, um, and if Donis Alexander is going to play safety or cornerback, I could see them either cutting or restructuring his contract as well. He has owed a lot of money this year, um, and I think he's definitely going to get cut or something is going to happen next year because there's no penalty for losing him next year. Um, DRC, uh, Dominic Rogers Cromartie is coming back as sort of that depth corner position. I don't know what he can do. Some people are saying he's transitioning to free safety. I don't believe that. Um, I think he's going to be uh, a depth corner and nothing more. Greg Stroman is going to continue to return punts, um, and he'll be another depth corner guy. But uh, secondary, secondary is a little rough. There's a lot of question marks. This is this could be really, um, really boomer bust. Uh, I think it really depends on um, how the pass rush happens, and I think it's another one of those sort of um, cowboy situations. The secondary might look a lot better by the end of the year if our run game is established and if we have a pass rush. I think people, I think that this is a weakness on the defense that can be hidden by a potentially great pass rush. And that will, we'll jump to, I'll skip to edge rushers since you said that. Uh, edge rushers, you got the pretty productive on a short amount of snaps. You got Ryan Anderson. You got Kerrigan, perennial all-pro. I've always liked Ryan Kerrigan. You drafted Sweat. This seems yes. to be the unit with the most potential on the team to be really, really uh, good. Absolutely. Um, I think you and everybody uh, at IBS knows that I loved Brian Burns, um, but I also said that I thought that that position group in this draft was really, really close together. Um, he was my particular, um, you know, pet that I really just loved and loved watching him play. But the other guy who I really enjoyed was Sweat. Um, Sweat is an athletic freak who kind of can do a little bit of everything. And, uh, and I think he is exactly what we needed on the outside because what we needed was speed. I like Brian Burns for that because I really do like a ton of bend um, in my guys, and I like a little bit more length. The sweat gives you everything you need. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got strength. And as long as that heart condition was actually misdiagnosed and he is on the field, I think he is the perfect complement for Ryan Kerrigan. I like Ryan Anderson a lot. I like Ryan Anderson against the run. I like his motor. But – uh, and, and like you said, he was productive in sort of limited snaps. He did generate some pass rush, but I didn't want to rely on him as a sort of uh, starting offense or starting outside linebacker. Um, and this pushes him down the depth chart, I believe, with drafting of Sweat, which is exactly where he needs to be. If he's a rotational guy, um, I'm perfectly all right with that. That definitely means we overspent. I believe we overspent when we drafted him. Um, you know, second-round pick is too high for somebody who's going to be just a rotational pass rusher. But it is what it is. What's done is done, and I love the, the sweat pick. Let us go to your interior defenders. You got Deron Payne. <laughs> you got the Alabama defensive line here. Yeah. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, who I love. Uh, yes. You got got some studs here, too. So your line is strong. What do you think of your interior, guys? So this is, in my opinion, the strongest position group uh, on the team. So you've got Payne, Allen, and Ioannidis, all starters, all studs, who are the oldest one is 25 years old. 
Um, behind them, you have Tim Settle, who was fantastic last year uh, as that nose tackle interior guy um, who came in um, sometimes on uh, in nickel packages uh, just to sort of have a, some more interior push, which is exactly where he belongs. Um, he is an underrated pass rusher from the interior who is firmly a backup, which is fantastic. You got Caleb Brantley, who uh, performed pretty well in some rotational uh, situations last year. I love this group. I, 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 they're young. They're strong. Everybody seems to be healthy. This is the perfect group for us. And if we can keep this group together, um, they're going to be good for a really long time and have the potential to be uh, one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in the NFC East, which is saying a lot when you have amazing groups with the Cowboys and the Eagles. You know, linebackers, it's, it's a little thin. I'm looking at pro football focus yeah. here. And, and you had you had Mason Foster, 538 snaps, but only 88, yeah. well, I guess that 88 pass rush snaps. But 500-some snaps, you got Reuben Foster, he's, he's you know, obviously. He's and then yeah. you have uh, Harvey Clemens, they got like 152. And after that, the next highest guys got 42. So you got a lot of holes and a lot of inexperience. Yeah, that's going to be um, an issue for us for sure. Um, I, and Mason Foster is going to be thrust back into a, a starting role, firmly into a starting role. Um, Sean Dion Hamilton, I think, is a guy that you see step up. He he was the guy who sort of forced Zach Brown out of the lineup last year. Uh, he had some health issues, which is why he was um, a fifth-round pick instead of uh, you know that second or third-round pick. Um, he's an Alabama guy. He's sound defensively, and he can be – the quarterback of the defense uh, if you need him to be. And so I think he's going to step up and I think he is going to fill that position. However, he is not Reuben Foster and Mason Foster is not Reuben Foster. So um, we've already taken a huge hit and you're going to see somebody like uh, Cole Holcomb um, and Josh Harvey Clemens come in and take some significant snaps, which is not ideal. Um, I would like to have seen Cole Holcomb really just be a depth guy and learn. I think he's got a lot of potential. I really liked that pick. Um, but I think that if this group is going to be another one of those ones that hurts us. I don't like um, Sean Dion Hamilton necessarily against the run as much, um, only because of his injury history and because he was a little smaller coming into the league. I hope that he's put on a little more weight. But, uh, but I'm not exactly excited about this group. So, overall take, uh, well, give me, before you do that, give me your reasons for optimism and then what you think the season will look like. Uh, reasons for optimism, I think, is going to be the development of um, guys like Sean Dion Hamilton. I think you're going to see step in a leadership role um, and Montez Sweat on that defense and, and the defensive line is definitely going to be a strength of the team. I think guys coming back from injury, like Darius Geis, Brandon Scherf, Trent Williams, um, you're getting all that back. And then, of course, Dwayne Haskins, I think, should be reasons for optimism. However, uh, quarterback situation as we begin, probably with Case Keenum, not fantastic. It is not ideal. Our wide receivers are not ideal in our secondary. Um, it's going to be a problem area for us probably all year unless we can generate some serious pass rush. Um, I see us winning six or seven games, Matt. 
Yeah, I I feel like you won't drop off the ledge. You guys never drop off the ledge. Yeah. You got enough pieces. The offense is not going to be strong, but the running game might be enough to keep you in games. The defense, you know, you got some problems with the secondary, but your front seven is reasonably strong, except especially your yeah. defensive line. So you know, those can keep you in games. Five. Eh, I, I don't see you losing like four. I don't see you as a four-win team. I see you as a six. Yeah. Maybe if you really. Uh, really push it, you're a seven or eight, you know, with everything going the right way. So a six to eight win team. Switching yeah. over to the New York football giants. Now, both of us have talked about it. We've gotten arguments with other people. I've posted <laughs> videos showing his inaccuracies. So let's not beat a dead horse yeah. and let's take it a different way. Okay. Daniel Jones, the best case scenario. Let's stay positive. What's the best sure. case scenario for him? as a draft pick, like beyond this year? Uh, the best case scenario for Daniel Jones is, uh, is it probably Eli Manning, um, and a more athletic version of Eli Manning. Um, he doesn't have the arm talent Eli Manning does. He is much more athletic than Eli Manning has ever been. Um, so uh, if he can develop perfectly and become a sort of accurate timing quarterback, that is extremely precise. I mean, you see guys be successful with, um, with timing and without deep balls all the time. Tom Brady does that perfectly within his system. Um, he's probably the greatest to have ever, to ever do timing type plays. Uh, so if you want the absolute best case scenario, it is that he is um, Eli Manning wins you a couple Super Bowls, uh, probably off the strength of the defense and some offensive pieces like Saquon Barkley. I kind of feel like that too. I think his his ceiling is good foals. I don't necessarily mean that's going to win Super Bowl, yeah. but when foals are playing well, you run some RPOs, yeah. you run some easy stuff, you run some timing and rhythm stuff in the short passing game where he could be really effective. He takes some deep shots. Absolutely. Just kind of very mechanical. Game manager seems like a bad word, but if you do it well, it's not a bad word. Yeah. But I don't think he'll ever be the guy that wins you games. He's the guy that doesn't lose you games. Right. And I thought, uh, I thought that that was sort of the, the, the good Eli, bad Eli kind of thing. You know, the, the best Eli ever was, obviously, was those moments in those two Super Bowls, the best games he ever played. Um, but he was never really won until those playoff runs that ever looked like he won you anything. Um, he was a guy who occasionally overperformed statistically, but uh, never was, was just the game-changer type quarterback uh, like his brother was. That just wasn't his style. But he had a fantastic defense. He had a solid running game. Um, and, I, and I think that the Daniel Jones has the chance to be that. They can rebuild this defense with the pieces they have, and they're not you know, going to be bogged down by Odell Beckham's contract, you know, for better or worse. And before long, they won't be bogged down by Eli Manning's contract um, for better. And uh, and eventually you'll be able to rebuild this defense um, to make it that Giants defense of old. And you have Saquon Barkley here for the foreseeable future as long as he can stay healthy. If you can improve this line, uh, I think you've got pieces to be a winning team. Maybe not this year, but in, in the next couple of years. They, Gettleman is very opinionated. Gettleman has a very clear vision of what he wants from his team or the way he wants to form it. And the word that keeps saying is culture. 
what do you yeah. think of them letting well they got Odell, but them letting Odell the traded uh letting Odell and Landon Collins go? Um it I understand why you might say Odell doesn't fit your culture. Um, if you have a guy who is that sort of way, who is passionate, who is on the sideline, who, who doesn't like to lose, who isn't shy about the fact that he doesn't like to lose, um, who does things that might not, I mean, he's a young guy that, that parties a little bit and likes to be, you know, he's a, a, a very like metropolitan person and out at night and things like that. It's, <laughs> If, if you don't like, yeah, honey, if you don't like that it, and, and the fans don't like that, uh, then for an all-pro receiver, then fine. Um, if you don't like a guy who has set records, if you don't want him to do that, even though he set records for you uh, in, his, in his first few years, then, then fine, whatever. If that doesn't fit your culture, then I completely understand. How you say that Landon Collins, um, a, an extremely down-to-earth, hardworking uh, Alabama kid, you know, who, um, who is your defensive captain or who was a defensive captain, um, how he doesn't fit your culture, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, so Gettleman does this a whole lot where he'll say something, oh, this guy doesn't fit our culture, or, oh, you know, he, he says things that don't really strike me as being completely honest. And that's how I feel about the these guys didn't fit our culture. Uh, you can probably sell me on – um, Odell Beckham not fitting your culture, even though he's a generational talent. I don't think you can sell me on Landon Collins. Uh, isn't it doesn't fit our culture. You could tell me that he was too expensive and you couldn't retain him. Fine, that's fine. But he definitely fit the culture of what the Giants need to be. So um, I just don't believe anything Gettleman says. Yeah, it's uh, that's getting a little old. If I was a Giants fan, I'd be frustrated. But yeah. hey. He says he knows what he's doing, so maybe hey. he does. All right, maybe. so we, if, we covered. If they win a Jones. couple rings, I'll believe it. Exactly. Uh, shucks, if they go to the NFC Championship game, I'd believe him. They make the playoffs. Yeah. But uh, in the next right. two years, I'd believe it. It's kind of a mess. All right, so we got Eli. I don't know yeah. how you feel about Eli, but we usually think pretty similar. I think they should have moved on from Eli. Got a 64 here yep. for Pro Football Focus. I'm going to bring up his all of his. Uh, it's going to take forever on my slow internet. But to look at his scores, he hasn't been quite strong in a while. So 64 last year, year four, 17, 68.9, 64, 67, 70, 68. Last strong year he had was in 2012 with a 78.7, 2011, 86.3 with a peak. I just, I just don't see it. You like you see how many mistakes he makes, and they're always blaming the line or blaming the receivers. But how much of this is on Eli, in your opinion? Um, I, I think it. I mean, it is on Eli because there there have been times where he's missing open receivers, where he's throwing um, throwing picks that that don't necessarily need to happen. Um, but the line has been a huge problem and continues to be a problem. Um, I think that they uh, have drafted some guys that I like. I like Will Hernandez. Um, I thought they overpaid for Solder. Obviously, um, he underperformed last year. I'm not sure if he can get that together. And then you draft somebody like uh, Saquon, hoping that he can make up for those 
deficiencies in the line, but my problem with Saquon, as much as I love him as a player, he's absolutely electric, is negative runs. Um, he had those issues at Penn State, and when you're behind an offensive line like that, then the negative runs will continue. You will, you know, break one for 65 yards and a touchdown every game. Um, for sure, you're going to have a home run hit every other game or every game, uh, but you also are going to have some negative runs, which stall drives. And so when you have a quarterback like Eli Manning, who isn't going to get you there, who isn't setting the world on fire, who doesn't have, um, isn't, you know, have a great yards per attempt, uh, it's going to be rough. Uh, and now, especially that you've lost a chain mover like Odell, uh, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here and I don't know how they can justify starting him this year. Uh, like this is, I, I think this is going to be rough. Um, I think it's going to be really ugly by the end of the year. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you're going to not put somebody else in, but. Oh, well. we'll you, uh, it's a struggle. And I don't know who would do any better. You throw Daniel Jones to the lions and not yeah. only you have a line that's not good. When you let Odell go, like your receivers are gone. So right. part of the problem they have is that they got Golden Tate, but they don't yeah. have anybody to play on the outside. Shepard, Sterling Shepard is primarily a slot guy. I know they play on the outside, but he's best yeah. in a slot. He's not a big receiver. You got Golden Tate who likes to play a big slot thing. You got Benny Fowler, who I only know his name because I think Joe Buck just says in a special way that it stands out. He's like Benny Fowler. I mean Fowler. Like I don't even. I mean he's never done anything on the field for me to notice him. I, I, I and you got Evan Egram. You know if you're going to say pass catching, but he's gotten hurt and never has reached right. the full potential that people thought, given his athleticism and speed. I, I don't see how this receiving core is going to work out on the field. Right. I, I think that the only thing that you can that is going to be helpful for them is that Golden Tate every single year, no matter where he is, um, except for once he got traded to uh, Philadelphia, finds ways to get the ball in his hands and get first down. Um, he has always been a, a guy that has that has discovered new and interesting ways to get first downs for somebody, and he knows uh, where the chains are and, and how to get them. So that's the only, the only big thing that I see that's going to be a huge benefit for them this year. I think that the Golden Tate does better for the Giants than he did at the end of the year for the Eagles last year. Um, but again, like you said, I'm not excited about this group of pass catchers. I think this is another situation where they lean way too heavy on Saquon uh, to his detriment. Um, I, I think it's going to be rough. I think you're going to see a lot of eight in the box, and we're really going to see how special Saquon can be he is either going to establish himself as possibly the greatest running back in the league, or he's going to be a guy who's solidly top three, um, top five, but is going to struggle at times because of, uh, because of the fact that they can't generate any passing. I mean, I know that people have said in this league, you got to run to pass. I think this is going to be a situation where you need to pass so that you can run. Yeah, I'm not optimistic for what they got. And another reason why I'm not optimistic besides just the skill position players, and we can only imagine how many passes they're going to throw. I think it could be like one of those 1,000 yards. I don't know if he got it. I don't think he got it last year. But 1,000 yards receiving, 100 catches, and 1,000 yards yeah. rushing, I think. 
they're going to wear them into the yeah. ground one way or the other. And so you got on the line, you talked about they got boy, they have Will Hernandez, who they drafted from UTEP two years ago. You got Nate Folder, who wasn't bad, but not what they were expecting for the money. Uh, they right. got rid of Eric Flowers. It's better than it was two yeah. years ago, but I wouldn't call it a strength of their team. Definitely. Um, they picked up uh, Kevin Zeitler um, in that trade so uh, with the Browns. So I think that was all right. Yeah. Um, so that's an improvement. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think that I think the line has steadily gotten better. Um, that you're not starting Eric Flowers at a tackle position is better. Um, but they also didn't really go out of their way to improve this this year. I, I really would have liked to have seen them um, with all of that draft capital go and get someone. And they were really perfectly uh, in the position to do so. Um, yeah, everybody says, oh, you know, well, you need a Dexter Lawrence. Well, I, I think you probably did need Dexter Lawrence, yes. But that's also because last year you traded away Snacks Harrison for, like, Snacks. I mean, they, they gave him away <laughs> for essentially yeah. nothing. And, and so, yeah, you had to go get somebody on your D-line, but you had the draft capital to go and get. I mean, you could have traded back from 17 and still been able to get Andre Dillard and, and, have, a, and have a stud right tackle on the other side of Nate Solder for the next five years. And, and they just didn't do it. And so I looked down their, uh, their draft list, and they didn't draft an offensive lineman until the seventh round. I mean, you've got nobody to blame but yourself for that fact. You had all of the draft capital in the world, and in the first 108 picks, you get two cornerbacks. Did you need those cornerbacks? Absolutely. But you also needed offensive linemen. And, uh, and so, you know, in Gettleman they trust, I guess, um, and if it all works out for them, I will eat crow as much as the next guy, but it, I, I just don't see it. And you mentioned them not draft, well, them drafting two corners, but not getting a corner. Uh, you got Janoris Jenkins, who isn't as good as he was the first year they got him, but still very solid. He had a 58 yeah. rating. You got Grant Haley. Yeah. So if I were estimating, let me see, I was told there'd be no math. But you got a thousand snaps between three guys coming back from last year, and one of them is Tony Lippitt, and he had 23. The majority of your snaps, 663 by Janoris Jenkins, 277 by Grant Haley, and that is all of the snaps from last year. Oh, I'm sorry, Antonio Hamilton had one, but that is all the snaps of the returning corners. And yeah. you just gotta hope that Julian Love and DeAndre Baker are studs, but the cupboard is bare, it would appear, at corner. Uh, absolutely. Um, the, cover, the cupboard is bare in, in that secondary, and then you had to go out and get uh, two guys in free agency, um, or we had to get uh, Bethia, and you had to trade for Peppers. So you had to go get two safeties. So I think the safety spot's actually going to be pretty decent this year. Um, neither one of them is landing Collins, but I think that's decent. And you, you do have to hope and pray that these guys that you drafted um, are worth it. Now, I like both of them. Um, I like DeAndre Baker a lot. I, I thought that he was the best corner in the draft. So, you know, that you go and get him, that you trade back up into the first round. Um, I hate that you have to pay him for that because I still think you could have traded up in the second round and gotten him. 
maybe they had some insider information and knew everybody's draft boards and knew he was going off like Gettleman says he does. But, um, of course, of course. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, but I do like him. So I think that he is going to, he is going to get thrown to the wolves because of where you drafted him and because of what the expectations are for him. I do like Julian Love too. I thought they actually got great value in that pick, um, getting him in the fourth round. I thought that he was probably a second or third round kind of guy. So I, I really even liked the, the value there, but I just, I mean, can you rely on rookie corners like that? Uh, I haven't seen anybody outside of probably Jalen Ramsey um, in the past five years really uh, get relied on and have it be successful for that team. So I just don't, I don't, I just don't see how the Giants can do it. And honestly, I can't, like, I want them to prove me wrong because I want this to be a rivalry game uh, every time. I want, I want the Redskins and the Giants to be fun. I want Giants-Eagles to be fun. I want Giants-Cowboys to be fun. And right now, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be fun this year. Uh, it just seems like it'll be kind of another weird game that you could probably lose in New York. But uh, I don't know. Let's see. Let's go to their linebackers. We just basically covered their secondary. Let's go to their linebackers. Yeah. And again, you know, there is a severe just lack of talent. I hate to say it with the Giants fans. You got Alec Ogletree, who's probably seen yeah. his best years. You got BJ Goodson, who's, you know, okay. But I don't see a lot with their linebacker core. At least in the uh, inside, yeah. inside linebacker. That I agree. Um, I nothing that they have that they've done there really strikes me as it feels like they're going to be reliant on um, their line to try and make those stops now. So you have uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, who I really do like, and you did get Dexter Lawrence, but it feels like that's going to be who you're relying on to stop the run because you really don't have anything as far as linebackers who are going to make any noise as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I, I just don't see it. So, like you said, you got, um, you know, I, I just don't know. I, I'm not looking at any of these guys and thinking that Ogletree is still a young guy. Um, he did come into the league kind of kind of younger, but he, it's not like he's been playing stud football. Um, I, I don't – nothing from this linebacking core really strikes fear in me. Um, you, you also parted ways with – uh, with probably your your best pass rusher, um, so I mean I don't know this this is another situation where I kind of was scratching my head, um, not really sure what they were doing here. I do like um, I forget how you say the kid's name from Old Dominion, Oshane Jimenez, um, or is that how you say? It? I have no idea, but I, I like the kid as a project pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that by next year he could end up actually starting and getting significant snaps for them um, on the outside. But, uh, but another person that I wouldn't want to rely on in year one and nobody as far as outside linebackers or any of their other pass rushers really frightened me. And I don't think that any of them are, are going to be, you know, stud at studs at stopping the run. So the Giants team strikes me as a team who is really going to have to rely on that run, really try to own time of possession to keep that defense fresh. 
let's hit the rest of their defense real quick. Not a lot of things, but a special interior. They got Dalvin Thompson, who had a 78.9 rating, which is a rate of sunshine there on 628 snaps. You got B.J. Hill, who had a 69.7 on 642 snaps. Then you got your edge, Lorenzo Carter, you know, not bad, 65.8. Yep. You got Kareem Martin and Marcus Golden. Not, and, of course, they drafted Dexter Lawrence, two-down guy, but not a three-down guy. How do you see their front four? Um, so I think uh, I'm interested to see how uh, that how that rotation plays out or what sort of happens. Um, B.J. Hill, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, ended up playing a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who's, you know, over 300 pounds, he's playing in an interior position. Um, can he can he play end? I mean, is he fast enough to play end? Or are you going to end up is he going to end up rotating with uh, with Dexter Lawrence? I know Dexter Lawrence is somebody who, like you said, two down guy. Um, so I don't know. I thought BJ Hill was a plus player for them last year, um, and now it looks like he's going to be back in the rotation. So I don't know if this is a situation where he's going to play in a different spot. He's going to shed a little bit of weight. He's going to be, you know, like a pass rusher or a run stuffer at the end for you and also be able to get on the line with Dexter Lawrence or if now you have just some some depth there. Uh, I, I, I just don't know what it's going to look like. I'm interested to see um, and see what it is that they're trying to do. But, again, um, I'm, I'm not confident. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's, they have so many question marks for me just about what they're even doing and what direction they're going in. Um, and I hate to sound pessimistic because I, and I think that a lot of people think that I'm a hater, but I really, I really don't. I feel like I have a lot of good things I can say about the Cowboys and about the Eagles. And I wish that I could say the same thing about the Giants, but I just honestly have no idea what they're doing right now. They're not good. They're going to be horrible. We're not doing any kind of homer stuff there. We are, we are, we're yeah. analyzing the team. There, there's not a lot there, which is another reason why they probably shouldn't have gone for Daniel Jones. He got two picks in the first yeah. round, and they both are questionable about their long-term impact. So, you know, it just is yeah. what it is. But what, how do you see them through the season? We, I guess we kind of dropped some hits here, but what do you yeah. think of them this season coming up? Um, I see them as, again, a team that will probably sneak in some wins. I think they'll get some um, garbage time in the season wins, and I think they probably win a couple division games. I think they beat the Redskins in New York, um, and I think that they probably uh, sneak another one in against somebody like the Eagles, uh, especially if they're out of it by the end of the season. I think that the Eagles is the biggest question mark on how the season goes for me um, in this division, but uh, I think that they'll probably win a division game or two and then lose a couple other games. I, their schedule doesn't look great. So I'm saying three, four wins, Matt. Yeah, I'm thinking three and 13, four and 12, that kind of thing. I just don't see yeah. how it will work out unless those two corners just were spectacular and that probably would get yeah. us six wins. But you can't just manufacture talent when there's not talent there. So we get to our last team, the Philadelphia Eagles. The latest news on them is Chris Long, who you got to like a lot, and some of his uh, yep. outside the field, off the field work. You really got to like him. But before I get yep. there, let's uh, let's look at their draft. What did you think of the Eagles' draft? Uh, off the top of my head, I remember liking it, but let me double check. But go ahead. 
Tell me what you think. Yeah. So I thought they did a lot with a little. Um, they had the least draft capital of any of uh, the NFC East teams. Um, and I think they did a great job. I think they got the best uh, offensive lineman probably in the draft. Uh, and Andre Dillard, the clear uh, heir apparent to Peters. Um, fantastic move for them. They're going to get to develop somebody. They'll get to sit behind pros, which was always my, my thing about Pac-12 offensive linemen. I always have big questions because um, I had guys who I've loved in the past, and some of my biggest misses, I think, in my mock drafts in past years have been on Pac-12 offensive linemen, guys like um, Xavier Suofilo, who is now you know just a depth guy for the Cowboys, who I really thought was going to be a stud at guard someplace. So Andre Dillard is another guy who scared me depending on where he ended up going. Um, and I think his ability to sit possibly um, and learn behind some great people and be a guy who, who gets developed and who gets brought along is going to be huge for him as a pro. And I think he ends up setting the world on fire, not this year, but um, in the next couple years. Miles Sanders, I liked him at Penn State. You know, he's like a baby Saquon, um, not as talented, but he's got all of the same sort of um, abilities to a lesser extent. Um, not as, you know, not as big of a body, but a great pass catcher. Um, he will make that running back room uh, more interesting um, if he can stop the fumbles. Uh, the fumbles are, are, have been a huge issue with him. Um, were at Penn State, and so if he can get that short up, um, I think he'll be fine. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, um, holy crap. Dude, the Eagles just have so many pass catchers at this point. Um, I mean, they, they have the opposite problem of, uh, of the Giants and the Redskins. Who are you going to give the ball to? Um, you've got a lot of options, especially in the red zone, because everybody is over 6'3". So um, that's He's somebody I liked a lot at Stanford. Um, I was worried about where he was going to go in the draft. He was going to get drafted too high. 57, I think, is perfect for him. And then you get Sharif Miller, who is probably going to need, like, a, a redshirt year. I'm pretty sure she's still coming back from an injury. Um, and then Clayton Thorson, uh, the quarterback out of Northwestern. Liked him a lot in college. Didn't think uh, – I'm not sure how he's going to transition in the program or if he can. But now, I mean, he gets to – to be a serious depth guy and sit behind Carson Wentz with essentially no threat of starting outside of Carson Wentz getting hurt. So um, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was excellent too. I concur with your uh, analysis. Dillard Strong, maybe the best tackle, maybe the best offensive lineman in the whole draft. Sanders has a lot of potential for what he can do. And I know they say Sproles is coming back, but you kind of need somebody that can be make big plays uh, in the run game or even as you throw it to him, just kind of make plays on third down and get things done. Obviously, J.J. Arcega at Whiteside is a stud, and I see him as a natural heir parent to Alshon Jeffrey. And even, yep. you know, Sharif Miller, when he gets enough time, even if it's next year, I think that's like money in the bank. Wink, wink to the wrestling fans. Uh, their transactions, they traded Michael Bennett to the New England Patriots they got Deshaun yeah. Jackson. They resigned Deshaun Peters. That's another guy who gets hurt all the time in the NFC East. We seem to have these guys that are no longer uh, as good as they were, but still solid guys with really good reputations. Yeah. 
Brandon Graham, who's really underrated, they re-signed yeah. him to a three-year contract. But let's focus on Deshaun Jackson. How much of a difference do you think Deshaun Jackson can make coming back home? Uh, well, Deshaun Jackson has just, you know, everybody says, oh, when he finally loses a step. When he finally loses a step, it's just not going to be the same. He'll be out of the league. He doesn't, you know, run complete route trees or whatever. Um, I think that he's actually improved uh, his route running in the past couple of years. You saw it at the, the end of his Redskins tenure. And then with the Bucks, uh, his route running actually improved. And he still got the speed, man. So um, I don't see Deshaun Jackson slowing down this year. Uh, I think that he is the perfect complement to absolutely everything that they have as far as pass catchers from um, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, uh, you know, the Studley tight ends, J.J.R. Sigel-Whiteside, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, every, everything they have, Deshaun Jackson is sort of the antithesis with that speed. So they have somebody who can do a little bit of everything at every single level this pass catching group is scary and maybe one of the best, if not the best in the NFL. Um, I mean that from uh, their weapons all over the place. This group is fantastic. So uh, yeah, I mean, Deshaun Jackson is going to make all the difference because he's a guy who really still can take the top off of the defense. And he is always a threat to go to the house every single play. And so you're going to get to open it up. You're going to get those, sweet underneath passes with all these other guys, obviously earth on the seam and all that other stuff. If Jordan Howard can pick up the run game, Deshaun Jackson's going to be taking one of the house every other game. Yeah. I, it's kind of scary when you sit here and you look at what they got, they got Carson Wentz coming back. If he can stay healthy, I don't see him having, gosh, I think we can get, I don't know if I want to say it, but 35 to 40 touchdowns, definitely 30, 35. Yeah. They've just got so yeah. many weapons and what they can do, uh, what they'll be able to do in multiple formations and multiple sets and throwing things at you. You're not going to be able to deal with yeah. you. we got Jeffrey and Aguilar, who would probably be the odd man out. Mac Hollins has shown that he has some potential. Braxton, uh, well, not Braxton Miller, but possibly, but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, <laughs> you got two tight ends. Said, it's just crazy. These yeah. are Miles Sanders, and they've seen things from Corey Clement and Josh Adams. And Smallwood, like I've seen all those guys do something for that team, and yeah. that just there were so many options they have to work with. And sometimes we have so many options, you don't do any of them right. But I trust Doug Peterson. I I do too. Uh, I mean, you're talking about somebody from the Andy Reid coaching tree. So I keep telling people, I'm like, when you think of of the Patrick Mahomes type offense that they had last year, you that's what you're about to get because you've got your you know, just substitute Deshaun Jackson for Tyreek Hill, substitute Zach Ertz for Jason Kelsey, and then fit everybody else with a better group of pass catchers than the Chiefs have. Um, I, I don't think that Carson Wentz is Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I'm not uh, – I, I like Carson Wentz, but I don't think that he stays healthy enough, um, and I think he is a bit overrated. But at the same time, like you said, there's absolutely no reason – why he shouldn't go for 4,000 yards, 30 to 35 touchdowns. Um, if this man can stay healthy behind a great offensive line, uh, then, you know, uh, it, it's the sky is the limit for this team, um, and they've only improved on defense as well. Yeah, I just, gosh, like I, I look at this team, and last year I think things happened 
when you're the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champions, and everybody has a target on your back. And yeah, and, and, and target back for you know you have a target back for everybody from everybody, and but the talent that this team has, we just talked about the skill position players. We haven't even got to the mm. line, which has yeah. Kelsey, <laughs> uh, Brandon Brooks isn't bad. You got Lane no. Johnson, Jason Peters, who are both perennial uh, Pro Bowlers slash All Pros. Yeah. You just added Andre Dillard, who might be the best tackling the whole draft. There's just yeah. so much talent on the team in particular. Well, not even in particular, but the line. Like most of these units, of all the units that we've done so far, the teams, I feel like individually they have the strongest unit. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I, I I don't even have anything more to say that. You're, you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, you can see why they won the Super Bowl. I thought they'd be a little bit better last year. They, but they made a run. But sometimes just mistakes and – and yeah. he, 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 they started out weird when Wentz didn't start the season. Then it was Foles, then Wentz came in, but then he wasn't 100%. The secondary was never yeah. that great. So, you know, yeah. you run into that, but now I have a fresh year, and I think I, I, somebody's head needs to roll if they don't have a really good, strong season. If they're not, like, one of the bad teams, it should be really disappointing. I agree. All right, now the corners, which isn't, uh, admittedly, isn't the strongest aspect of the team. They got Rizal Douglas, who was solid last year. They got LeBlanc, mm-hmm. solid. Ronald Darby, who I think is underrated, but solid. But then yep. Jalen Mills got a lot of uh, got a lot of, got a lot of play, and he's not that good. And uh, Sidney Jones never really came back from that injury that he got. I think it is uh his pro day out of Washington, but he never really came as strong. But what's your take on uh, – yeah, we can go to the secondary, too, the whole secondary. You got Sandejo, you got Malcolm Jenkins, you got McLeod. So the safeties are stronger than the corners. But what is your take on the secondary in general? Yeah, so their safety group, I think, is, is, is solid. And if they can stay healthy, that's, you know, one of the better safety units um, in this division. Uh I, I had a look at their depth chart, and from the Bleeding Green Nation website, they had Jalen Mills listed still as, as one of their starting safeties on the or starting corners on the outside. Yeah, I don't understand and, that. Uh, what was that? I said, yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Yeah, like, I, I don't. I don't understand that. And if and if that's the case, um, then uh, they need to make some moves next year. They need to be checking waiver wires and transactions for the rest of the summer. Um, because that just can't happen. That is, uh, I think that top to bottom, this team is fantastic. But that, if there is any weakness, it's there. It is their secondary and specifically their cornerbacks. Like you said, Ronald Darby, um, not bad. Um, I, I think he's a, he's a plus defensive player. But Jalen Mills got eaten alive last year um, on uh, at the beginning of the year. A, a lot. And they so have, I think first of all, focus has him as a starter. I guess maybe we need to give a shout out to the Eagle fans to ask on what's happening because it doesn't. If we were going by order for Pro Football Focus, Rizal Douglas has a higher uh, rating, and Darby. This who's LeBlanc? I don't know LeBlanc. He's a slide. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know him. Maybe he's a. <laughs> I don't know. Nah, I hate to say it. I don't know him, but I know Douglas is strong. Yeah, I don't understand why Mills will start. Maybe that'll work itself out in the preseason, but 
he was not strong at all <laughs> last year. Yeah. Susceptible. Last two years, even in the Super Bowl run. I mean, you talk about somebody that's susceptible to a double move. God damn. Like, oh, <laughs> he is yeah. not good. I mean, not a good football player. Just, just getting eaten up. So, uh, so if that's the case, then I think that's going to be a serious weakness for them. However, um, I think that their, uh, if their offense is going to be fine and be able to make up for that. And I think their front seven um, on defense is, uh, is more than capable of picking up the slack. And that's where we get to the aforementioned Zach Brown, who had an elite grade last year from Pro Football Focus with an 89.2. I think he has to play for a team you're familiar with. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, um, Zach Brown, he had some issues in, in coverage uh, last year. Um, and I think that it was just the, it was the moment when he got burned that people remember and that the coaching staff remember. And I think they latched onto that because production-wise and as far as pro football focus is concerned, it wasn't like he had a bad year. In fact, he had a really good year. Um, so I, I didn't really understand that move. I didn't even understand him stating at the end of the year. Um, he said himself, I, I've fallen out of the rotation. I don't really know what to say about it. It is what it is. Um, and he knew he was moving on. Um, we knew we were moving on. Oh, well, um, I think that the team had confidence in Sean Dion Hamilton, and they also had confidence that Reuben Foster was not going to get suspended. Um, and now we're sort of uh, SOL as far as that's concerned. And the rich got richer. They picked up Zach Brown, who um, is pretty much just going to, like, they lost Jordan Hicks and picked up Zach Brown and put him right in there. Um, so it's going to be great for them. And also – Zach Brown got cut, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. So uh, they didn't even lose compensatory uh, draft picks for that. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, that's, that's the rich getting rich right there. Um, it's, I think they've made some great moves on defense. Let's take their line as a unit and not break them up to interior and edge. And obviously, yeah. you got probably the second best interior line, defensive tackle. I mean, yeah, yeah, defensive tackle type. And Fletcher Cox, elite of elite, uh, only behind, I would say, Aaron Donald. Got a 92.5 yep. pro football focus rating. Got Malik Jackson last year from uh, Jacksonville. That's the inside. Yeah. You got Brandon Graham, Vinny Curry. A guy who I've always liked is Derek Barnett. And they, they drown. Oh, Sharif Miller probably won't play. But it's just a strong. Strong D-line. Yes. Um, I, I think that, I mean, you're, you traded away uh, Michael Bennett. So you get back draft compensation for Michael Bennett. You lose an aging Haloti Nada, and you replace him with Malik Jackson. Um, like, like this line, that was good last year. That was one of the better lines in football last year. Just got better. Um, they add Vinny Curry, like you said. You've got an underrated Brandon Graham who, I mean, how old is Brandon Graham? He's 27, 28. I mean, uh, yeah, Fletcher yeah. Cox is only, yeah, Fletcher Cox is only 28 years old. You've got these guys in their prime. And I think because Fletcher Cox has been good for so long, people think that he's older. Like, oh, yeah, like this is the year Fletcher Cox falls off. No, nah, man, he is right in the middle of his prime. Um, this unit is good, and they are going to be good. 
And uh, this is the only, I mean, that you have this unit put together and the Redskins unit put together and the Cowboys unit put together. Like, there is a reason why that collective unit with the Redskins could finish potentially third in the NFC East. And it's because you have this unit and the Cowboys unit and how good they look. On paper, um, this is the best unit in the NFC East and maybe one of the best in the NFL. Uh, It's fantastic. So what, what do you think overall with the Eagles? Where, where do you stand on them for how they'll perform during the season next year? Um, so this is, this is a tough one. Um, I think that they are boomer bust because of Carson Wentz, um, because you don't have a Nick Foles to fall back on. Your next best guy is Nate Sudfeld, who is um, better than I think people gave him credit for, but still a Redskins castaway. He's still a guy who could not overcome Colt McCoy on the depth chart. So uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. If Carson Wentz is healthy, I think you have potentially um, an 11 or 12 win team. I think they're that good. Um, If Carson Wentz isn't healthy, uh, you're probably looking at like a six and 10 team. Yeah, that's the critical thing. You don't know if Carson Wentz is going to stay healthy and he hasn't shown that he can stay healthy. I think if we went back, I think he got hurt last year, and basically he'd been hurt since uh, his last two years of college. There was always an injury. So, and we know he missed the college yeah. season. So it doesn't go well for him. But I think if if he is playing, we got 11 to 12 wins. Like, I really yeah. uh, feel very strongly about how good they are. I think they're better than us. I think they're better than the Cowboys. So if I had to yeah. do it, if I had to pick right now, you know, maybe we can see preseason or see how OTAs are going. But my first blush yeah. would be Eagles, Cowboys, Redskins, Giants. How would you uh, predict the NFC East? Uh, exactly that. Um, I think that if this is all dependent on Carson Wentz, but if he is healthy and I'm going to – I'm just going to fake predict a 16-game healthy streak for him. Um, if he can make it through the season in one piece, uh, they are the cream of the crop in the NFC East, and clearly uh, the Giants are the worst. So I think it's easy to fill it in. Cowboys, who I think are the most consistent roster, they're number two. I think they make it into, as a wild card. They're another playoff team, and the Redskins just miss out. I think they're a sub-500 team this year, um, and I think that uh, it's possible for, for them to be like a 500. Potentially they could you know, exceed expectations and let Jay Gruden keep his job, but um, I don't think that they're they're beating either the Cowboys or the Eagles in this division. Yeah, I agree. This has been good, guys. We've dropped knowledge. This was a meat sandwich here, a really deep dive. <laughs> Thanks for doing it, Joe. And, folks, we are going to try to cover every division as the summer and the months go on. We're going to try to get them all in by the time preseason starts. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. All right, great.